1: Welcome
2: to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, and I'm grateful you're joining me today. I want to begin by celebrating with you that we reached a record number of listeners in September. We topped 7,500, and that's because you choose to tune in and to share the word about this show. Thank you for listening for liking me on Facebook, and for telling your friends and colleagues about the show. Since one half the population will be abused at some point in their lives, and all of us self-abuse with negative thinking, the content of Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit is relevant to all of us. Last week, we had a great show with Dr. Susan Weitzman. As one listener wrote in, she's so accomplished. Yes, and I'm grateful she's helping to break the stereotypes around abuse. It can happen in any home, including wealthy, highly educated, and high-status families. In fact, it can be even harder to leave those relationships because the abusive partner wields so much power inside and outside of the home. As I tell my clients who leave abusive relationships, they are part of a small, courageous, and strong group of women and men who are willing and able to change their lives. It's not easy, but staying in abuse is even harder. Today, we will be talking with one of those courageous women, Penny Hader who chose to take the journey of self-respect and healing when she left her abusive husband. My hope is that my listeners will be able to make wiser, self-loving choices through awareness and learning to see beyond beyond the illusions we create in our lives. On this show, we give you the tools to change your life, through helpful information, inspirational stories, and guests who are thought leaders in their field. If you're trying to figure out how to find the silver lining in a difficult situation or how to rid yourself of persistent negative thoughts or have a personal story to share, please join the conversation. Call during the show to one 866 Four seven two five seven nine five. That's one eight six six four seven two five seven nine five. 472 Or email now or between shows to Dr. Dr. DR Paula Joyce at gmail.com. And the phone number to call between shows is 1-214-736-4460. I appreciate our three listeners who wrote to me this week. Nicole from Houston wrote, Wow, last week's show stood out for its positivity. Your heart came through your voice. Jerry from New Jersey shared this great insight. Below is a picture of my quiet area at work. Abused or not, I think it's wise to have a quiet place in all locations where you spend time. And our Florida listener from last week wrote a follow-up email. Dr. Paula, yes, I moved into that 800-square-foot apartment and called it my freedom. It was a marvelous moment for me. Early in my marriage, when I was still in my 20s, I went to a psychiatrist over abuse from my then husband. The psychiatrist told me I was trying to talk to him during the wrong times and that I should be more considerate. Over and over, he told me the abuse I was suffering was because of things I was doing. Of course, that was in the late 60s before the women's movement. Thanks to the early feminists, we've made progress, but so much more needs to be done. I agree, we have made progress, and yes, a lot still needs to be done. As late as the 90s, my psychiatrist was still misguiding me, telling me that I should just let the yelling and cruel words go over my head or roll off my back. And every time I get a new client, even as recently as this week, I get the same story. Their counselors did not help them understand that they were being abused. This is particularly problematic because the counselor reinforces what the abuser has been saying, that the abused is the problem. This makes it all the more challenging for the abused person to gather enough self-esteem to figure out what's truly going on. It seems like everyone else believes that the abused person is the problem. The abused person wonders if, in fact, they are acting inappropriately, do have major character flaws, and or are mentally ill. The only things they're guilty of is having had their power stolen, resulting in diminished self-confidence, courage, and personal strength. The very people who they trust to help them often make matters worse and convince them to stay in abuse. Because the abused person is already so stressed, and uncertain of themselves as a result of being demeaned over a long period of time, it's hard for them to hold on to any thoughts at all that are self-loving. They wind up being grateful that the abuser is even willing to put up with them. The abuser does such a good job of taking over their praise thinking that the abuser's made-up truth becomes what everyone believes." Every now and then, I would let myself see reality, but then something would turn my thinking back to believing everything was great. This inability to hold on to the truth keeps us in confusion, illusion, and indecision. I want to read two pieces that I wrote that exemplify this duality. The first piece is short fiction, but with enough truth in it that when my daughter heard me practicing it for public reading that I was going to do, she exclaimed, you're going to leave, aren't you? We say we're staying for the children, but they know the truth. They know we are miserable and abused, but they want to believe the illusion of the happy family just as much as we do. What kind of an example are we setting for them when we stay? What patterns are we showing them are acceptable to bring into their own lives and marriages? Since one out of two people will experience abuse at some point in their life, it's time we all start facing the truth. She left the house. She left the house, slammed the door, and started screaming, uncertain about what had just happened or what was to come. It all came upon her so quickly. Everything seemed to be normal. The kids were busy. John was at the computer, and then her life turned upside down. The call came about six o'clock. The phone rang with its usual tone. There was nothing surprising. The voice on the other end seemed calm, normal. She even wondered if it was another one of those people who keep trying to sell her things. It's gotten so bad that she often picks up the phone hesitantly and speaks defensively and she know, till she knows for sure who it is. This time, though, Melanie answered with joy and ease in her voice. She felt great. This was her favorite time of day. She loved it when the house was filled with the sounds and busyness of her family. Now that the children were getting older, those times were fewer and fewer. She loved to cook for them as she listened to them talking on the phone, doing homework, checking email. This is when the house came alive, when she knew she was alive, when she could hear something besides the sound of her fears tormenting her. This was the time when Melanie felt safe and her word world was real and meaningful she could barely hear the voice on the other end of the phone there was so much noise in the house she liked that though it was loud enough to drown out her thoughts loud enough to push them right out of her mind But now this voice was breaking through her staged retreat. This voice was trying to bring her back to the reality she didn't want to deal with. Not now, not ever. She dropped the phone, ran outside, slammed the door and screamed. Then she put her hand over her mouth. Mustn't let the neighbors hear her. She had to get out of there. She didn't know where and it didn't matter anywhere. She just had to get away from the fears that were flooding in on her. Melanie ran and ran and didn't stop to look back. When she was blocks away, she realized that no one had followed her. There was so much noise and activity at home, no one even noticed that she had left. Relief was all she felt. She was finally free from the demands, the pretense, the lie of being the good mom. No more carpool, no more slaving in the kitchen with no gratitude, no more... Invisibility. It was finally her time. When she returned home later that evening, she was calm and resolved. She picked up the phone dialed and left a message on the answering machine accepting the job. The transformation had begun. She would tell the family somehow, later, not now. They were too upset, wondering where she had gone and why. Dinner had almost burned. They had had to leave their individual command centers to get their food. Their routines had been disrupted. Let them relax and think everything's back to normal. Soon they will know that Mother is finally doing something for herself and that life in this house will never be the same again. Two years later, I wrote the following poem about a true experience. It shows how desperately I wanted to believe the illusion. People leave and go back to abuse an average of seven times. I left dozens of times in my mind, and this is how I kept going back. Until one day, I didn't. Our anniversary gift. When she said, you two like each other, the spell cast in childhood was broken and we became ourselves. The mask of anger and discord fell to the floor, opening our hearts once more. The flight attendant spoke with the innocence of a child, quietly announcing a truth that we had forgotten. Our fairy godmother waved her magic wand and with a flash of recognition changed our lives forever. Strangers stuck on the tarmac, inexplicably intertwined. Enamored by our relationship, she brought her husband to meet us. It seems she hadn't stopped talking about this couple who after 32 years still like each other. Three years later, I finally admitted the truth of my life and went to a women's abuse support group. The leader asked me to introduce myself, and I naively said, well, my situation is different from the rest of the group. Mine was only emotional and psychological abuse. To my confusion, the whole room erupted in laughter. Someone finally said to me, that's worse. Those of us who have been verbally and physically abused would far prefer the physical. The wounds heal. The words stick in your mind and continue to hurt. Actually, as we've talked about in many previous shows, including the one with Sandra Ingerman, there are many techniques that we can use to remove hurtful words and emotions from our minds and bodies. We are in charge of our mind, and we do not have to let anyone continue to hurt us with mean-spirited, and untrue words as we clear away the cruel words we also clear away the emotions of anger guilt fear shame self-blame etc we begin to retrieve our true selves our soul our self-respect here is a new technique that i've begun to use and find particularly effective do this with me now Think of a compliment someone gave you or something you really like about yourself. It can be something small. It doesn't have to be a big deal. Just think of something that makes you feel good. Say it over and over in your mind. Feel the joy and happiness in your body. Maybe there's even a smile on your face. Now, think of a hurtful comment someone said to you. Feel it in your body and notice the expression on your face. Now, substitute the compliment. Think it and feel it until you feel good. Do this as often as you need to. Go back and listen to this and use it as a a cue for you or write it down or download the mp3 file do what you need to but use this it's effective and self-loving remember negative thoughts have dominated your mind for a very long time they will take time and commitment to remove but it is worth the effort Review previous suggestions from earlier shows and find the techniques that resonate with you. Whether you've been in an abusive relationship or not, we all abuse ourselves with self-criticism. Remember, you have the control over what stays in your mind. To create happiness for yourself, you must focus on the positive. I want to remind you also to use the affirmation or mantra that is particularly powerful for this month of October, where there is God, Goddess's love, there can be no fear or blockages, only positivity. Use it often and particularly when negative thoughts are tormenting you. And be sure to breathe in the color yellow and or surround yourself with yellow flowers, a candle, or yellow objects. For those of you who want support as you create life changes, I do individual work with people over the phone, on Skype, and in person. If you enjoy a group and live near Dallas, I'm doing a workshop on October 18 at the Dallas Yoga Center from 2 to 4 p.m. on creating the life you want. For more information or to register, please call 214-443-9642 or go to the website DallasYogaCenter.com. I'll be using my ultimate creative problem solving process, which has been so successful in helping people release hidden fears and blockages and align their right and left brain so that they can move Forward with more ease and speed. It helps you hear your inner wisdom and make wise choices. It's particularly helpful when making any life change and especially when releasing fears about leaving an abusive relationship. Our guest, Penny Hayter, left domestic abuse. She is a former teacher and health services case manager with a Bachelor of Science degree in community service and public affairs. Penny is now a successful business owner, fulfilling a lifelong dream of working for herself. She is the author of No Contact, Ending a Destructive Relationship. She uses her experience to show others how to take charge of their life and break contact with an abusive partner. You're listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor. If you're enjoying our program, be sure to like us on Facebook. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with Penny Hader who will talk with us about her process of setting boundaries and healing.
0: The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. Time for a fresh perspective
1: Step into
0: the doorway to conscious choice, greater health and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio.
1: If you're
2: just tuning in, I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the life doctor, and you're listening to Uplift Your Life Nourishment of the Spirit. We're here with Penny Hader, who has graciously agreed to come on and share her personal story of self empowerment and g- garnering, gathering the courage and strength to leave, to set boundaries, to heal. Welcome, Penny.
4: Thank you, Paula. It's
2: great to be here. Thank you. And I I know, I mean, we met a number of years ago at a conference, and Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that we stayed in touch and that that fortuitous meeting has led to this. And your book, No Contact, Ending a Destructive Relationship, how did you decide to write the book? How did things emerge for you?
4: Well, I actually had no intention of writing a book. Um, When I first started writing, I was writing just to try and figure out why in the world I found myself in the situations that I did um, in my marriage and then uh, a a relationship after the marriage. There was a pattern, there had been a pattern even before the marriage uh, where I was just uh, taking a very submissive role, I felt, in the relationships that I had. And I knew that that was not, something inside me knew that that was not normal, that that is not really the way I needed to live my life inside of a relationship. Some of this, and probably a lot of it, has to do with what is modeled to us and as we're growing up. And in young, young adulthood, that really has an impact on us. So um, what I did after the marriage and then the uh, relationship that followed was I decided I had to step back. I just had to step back. I, I halted any kind of um, uh, dating-type situations. I, I just knew that I wasn't ready for that. And so I started doing a lot of writing. And I, um, as I was writing... I thought, wow, you know, maybe, maybe this could be helpful to another person. And so what I did was I got a paper sack. One day, I think it was um, over the weekend because I worked full-time in case management, but one day, I think it was a Saturday, I tore open a paper sack, and I started putting um, headings, just, just different headings all over the sack thinking of things that um, that I did that I didn't want to do, talking about things like fear, about um, getting away, uh, doing the same things over and over again, uh, just not really being in connection, in, in connection with my own thoughts and feelings, thinking that I didn't know enough, thinking that I um, wasn't bright enough, Thinking that I wasn't attractive enough, you know, thinking that I was just a failure. I, I thought of all these things, put them all on the sack. Eventually, I had um, uh, sentences that I would put under, underneath each of these um, titles, um, and then I thought, you know, maybe there are other people out there that might benefit from this, and so that's where the book began. Is I just kind of. Um, Very, um, I don't know, when I first started writing this book, I was kind of lashing out, maybe thinking of all of the horrible things that were done and said to me and that I didn't deserve that and, you know, that I needed to look for better people, people that would would treat me better. And then I realized slowly, and and this is why I rewrote the book probably about 50 times, um, (laughs) was that this was not about anybody else. This was not about what other people were doing to me. This, this was not about that. This was about me and understanding who I was because I really didn't know. And so I thought, wow, you know, when I come from this, when I come at this, looking at it from that perspective, you know, it, it's, um, it, it's humbling. You have to be able to admit you know, the things that you do that create these kind of relationships. So that was where I really feel I started to heal when I started to look at who I was and what I was doing because we can real easily get into the mindset that we have had other people do all these things to us and that is not where the healing starts.
2: I love that you're saying that because if you notice during this show and every show, I never use the word victim. Because it's saying that, you know, we're helpless in this and it's a one-way street. But it's a relationship and it's like a round peg in a round hole. And you're absolutely right. It's not that we should be blaming or criticizing ourselves or demeaning ourselves for having gotten caught in the relationship or for participating in the development of it, but now to take a hard look and to say, okay, how can I change things so that I can change my life? How do I become the person I want to be who will attract somebody with the qualities I want?
4: Right. That's absolutely right. And so for me, it required going inward. And going inward for quite a long time, and I focused on that. I focused on taking care of my children, and I focused on going to my job. And those were the things that I really knew that I I could control the way I was there. I could, um, you know, spend time just looking at my life, the people in it, and the work that I had to do, and it was very helpful. To do that, because what ended up happening is that I did a lot of observing. And I think, in order to heal, especially when you've lived your life, and I talk about this in the book, that I was very, very busy being busy. I just kind of was in warp drive and just kept going, and I didn't really pay much attention. To what it was that I was doing, you know, to create those kind of relationships, not just romantic relationships, but, but relationships in general, um, that I was giving far more power to the words that other people said, to the things that other people did, to the interests and the likes and the, and the needs of other people, rather than paying attention to what I needed, what I liked, what I had to do. Um, you know what was enjoyable for me, and so I spent time figuring that out, and it sounds so so simple, I guess, but uh, those were things that I really had not paid attention to and so while I was doing that the first part of the um, the healing was was very difficult, and it's where the no contact came in um, because I had absolutely had to to make a conscious choice to separate myself from that person, and it was the hardest thing I ever did um, it, it it was I'm not talking about the the marriage um, I'm talking about the relationship that I had after the marriage, and getting away was was just miserable because I didn't want to. I still felt that I loved this person very much, but I knew because of the type of relationship it was um, because I, I really had lost myself completely inside that relationship uh, and there were, you know, abusive, abuse going on in the relationship. I just knew that it was time to stop it, to end it, and the only way that I could do that was uh, the no contact. And that's what I did. Um, I, I felt like at the time, you know, you, you do a lot of um, dialogue in your head. And you're thinking, oh, you know, should I do this? Should I not do this? You know, how should I do this? Uh, but I decided to just get rid of my cell phone and get a different number. And that might sound extreme. And in my thinking at the time, I thought, wow, Penny, this is, This is a little extreme, but for me, the situation and um, and and just the uh, circumstances—that's what I did. And I told the people that were close to me in my life what the new phone number was. I got a new phone, and only those people were able to get a hold of me. I mean, of course, you—you know—you just all the contacts that you must have: your work, your family, um, you know, close. Personal friends, but I was very, very careful about who I gave that number to, um, and so it was, was not very many people. And so I just continued to live my life, go to my job, help my children with their schoolwork, go to school events, do what I did, simple um, living, one day at a time in my life, and it was, it was just, it, it was so peaceful. It was so nice to, to know that I didn't have anything else in the peripheral, anything else going on that could, um, that could threaten the life that I was creating for myself. And there were, you know, there were a few, there were things that happened along the way uh, with this individual. He, um, he didn't like that. He didn't like taking no for an answer. And even though he didn't have a way to contact me, um, he did know where I lived. And uh, he was able, what he did do is there was some signs that he had been uh, outside in, in um, certain areas of the, the outside of the place that I was living at the time and and would leave little things um, so that I would know that it was was him, you know, that was coming around. But I... Um, I stayed firm. I stayed well, firm. I, I did not. I, 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 even though there were times when I I knew that he was actually outside uh, my door, I I just ignored it. And it it was it was very very difficult at first, but it got easier over time. And I think that the thing that I want to emphasize is that. That you, when you were talking before uh, in your in the last segment, you were saying that it takes an average of seven times to leave, and, and that's very true. There were times uh, prior to actually making this no contact decision that, in my mind, I thought, "Oh, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna get out of this. I'm gonna get out of this. I'm gonna do this and this and this." And uh, I didn't follow through, or I maybe would would start to follow through, and then I would cave in. And I would go back because he would, he would call me and, and he sounded, you know, so warm and inviting. And, and, and you know, I cared so much that I easily um, went back. And, uh, and I just had to go through the experiences with him enough times to realize for myself that it was finally time for me to make the break, to make the break. And and
2: that's what I did. Well, congratulations. Because, you know, I heard you say, like, and I read about this in your book. Is this the alcoholic who? Yeah. Um, yes. 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 Okay. So you talk about this in the book. So I just want to share that backdrop with people that I remember you even saying that when you realized after six months that he was an alcoholic that you went to Al-Anon, and that you were going to be the best girlfriend you could be, and then you realized that it was soaking up all your energy, and you had nothing left for yourself or your children, so I, I, I mention this because there are a lot of people dealing with this same particular issue, where they've got a spouse or a significant other, or maybe just a family member who is um, addicted, and they keep trying to save them. But really, the only person who can save them is themselves. They have to take responsibility. So I just wanted to, to congratulate you for changing your phone number. And what you didn't say was that you eventually changed your place of living because yes, yes. that you mentioned in your book because he was a stalker. You were at risk. Yes. And your yes. children were at risk. It,
4: it, and it unfortunately didn't end there uh, because I made, I didn't move far from um, where I had lived prior to, to moving to the new home. Um, probably it was less than a mile. And I made a mistake. I, I don't exactly know how he, he figured it out, but, but one of the things I, I did is I had a planter. And um, you know, as I was moving things, getting situated in my in my new residence, I had this planter. I, I put it out on my driveway. It had lots of beautiful flowers in it. It was springtime, and um, it, it looked it looked great. But he had to have uh, my thinking is um, somehow found, uh, found out about this new development where I live or where was where I was moving and um, must have seen that flower pot because it was one that he had given me. And um, so anyway, I had that out there. But within, I'd say, three weeks after I moved into the new home, into the new residence, there started, um, I I started getting pounding on the walls and I'd see footprints and dog prints in my backyard and, and it was, I was pretty sure that it was him. I, I didn't know absolutely. But the, um, the boys, my sons, they were starting to get scared because they would hear a man, or they said it was a man, and, uh, and he'd be pounding on the outside of the uh, house, and he'd go to various sections, you know, of the outside of the house. And, um, and he, uh, one time, evidently, my son he came into me and he said, "You know, there's this man and he's out there and he's yelling and and kind of whining and and um, it was scaring my son. And so what I did was I at that point I, I didn't have it when I initially moved into the into the new house, but I got a security system and it, it had I had a sign with it and with that sign." You're going to be careful if, you, if you're um, thinking about going to somebody's residence. You're going to be careful. You're not going to, you know, you'll think twice before trying to get in or trying to um, just move around the outside of the house. And, and you would think twice about that. Once I got that security system, things changed. Uh, it, it was pretty drastic, too. I, I noticed a distinct drop in all the activity that was going on outside my house. Um, and that just gave me another layer of of um, security, you know, knowing that I could could cause this to happen, to cause I could be in charge of um, making my family safe, helping my family. Uh, because prior to getting that security system, I had called the police um, probably three or four times, and uh, they would always say to me. They would say, you know, you need to call us right as this is is happening, right as you're hearing, you know, this pounding or this whatever's going on on the outside of your house. You need to call us right at that time. You know, what would happen for me is in the middle of the night, I would also have it to where um, uh, he was banging, at least I'm pretty sure this was him, banging on my windows and then banging on the windows of my son's uh, rooms. And you have, you have fear. You're scared. And you're also ex- you're tired because you're, you know, half asleep. And uh, I, I wouldn't always call immediately. And so getting this security system was just, it was a very smart thing to do. Um, I, I just think that, that sometimes we, um, I mean, we have the right, to, to be cautious about the things that we do to protect ourselves. But at the same time, um, one of the things that I have noticed is that, that women, and I believe, and men maybe too, but women tend to overthink things or to think, oh, I don't want to do this because this might happen, or I, I don't want to do that because that seems too, too weird. or You know, they, they, they think too much about the things that they need to do and I did to protect myself and not enough about just, hey, I need to take care of myself and this is what I'm going to do. Does this seem like it makes sense? Does this seem a little, you know, or does it not make sense? Because it needs to make sense to me. And and run it by somebody that you trust, you know, that you really, really trust. And and if you get, you know, if, if they say, well, you know, that I don't know about that, you know, you can think about it a little bit more. However, it's important to take action when you need to.
2: And we have to take a break, but I have to make a couple comments first. First of all, the change in your voice, the strength in your voice, the self-empowerment, when you started talking about taking charge and creating safety and that it was under your control – Everything changed in how not overthinking things but take the action that you need to take. Wow, you were fully in your power. And I love it. What a beautiful example and a, a shift in, um, from somebody who doesn't use their power, was afraid to use their power, to someone who appropriately, Used appropriate power. So, congratulations! I think what you've just said is so inspiring. We'll be right back after the break. I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, and you're listening to Uplift Your Life, nourishment of the stir- <laughs> nourishment of the spirit. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with Penny Hader, who. Hopefully, we'll talk with us a little bit about how she learned the things that she does like and came more fully into herself. We'll be right back.
0: Be the Change, the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network.
3: Be the best that you can be. Dr. Paula invites you to meet with her for a -a one-of-a-kind breakthrough coaching session. Dissolve hidden barriers to your goals. Solve your most challenging problems
1: You may also send an email to drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. That's drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. Now, back to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. If you're just tuning in, I'm
2: your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, and you're listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. And we're here with Penny Hader talking about her experiences with abusive partners, and her journey to self-empowerment and healing and setting strong boundaries. Penny, I was wondering, well, first of all, I want to congratulate you on on the journey you're taking to self-empowerment and wanted to go back to what you said um, earlier in your comments about looking to find out what it is that you like and i just wanted to emphasize how important that is because when we're in abuse we lose ourselves because we're so used to being and doing what we think will please the abuser that we don't even know what we like what foods what activities so how did you how did you start to find
4: yourself <laughs> Uh, you know, I I spent time being still. Uh, I think that for me, and, and I, I talked about this in the first segment. I was very busy, um, and I'm a busy type of individual. It's, I think it's in my nature. Um, I just I like to to go and do things and and just learn and be active and all that. Um, but I needed to spend some time. With really just myself um, being very still and figuring out what I I wanted to do or wanted how what the things that I liked on a very conscious level, it's like um, it's hard in a way it's hard to explain. But I needed to just to to say to myself, okay, I'm going to go to the store and I am going to get groceries. What do I want to get? What is one treat that I can get for myself that I would absolutely love to have? It doesn't matter if anybody else ha- likes it. Nobody else, my sons don't have to like it. What do I want to get for myself? And so I would do that. One of the things that I loved to get, and I don't know if we can say um, the brand names of things, but um, I loved uh, Dairy Queen chocolate dips combs. Ice cream cones. I just absolutely loved them. And I so, identify. <laughs> what? Me too. Go ahead. Oh, oh I love them. And I, I just, uh, so what I would do is at least once a month, you know, I would treat myself with that. And, uh, and, and, and that was just such a simple thing. But it was something that I found, you know, th- that, something like that and maybe other things I would deny myself um, previously, and then I would think about, um, you know, things that, movies that I liked. Um, one of the things that would happen for me when I was in, um, in my previous relationships is that I had a real, real hard time um, letting the, the other person know, you know, what I liked to watch, what kinds of movies I liked, because those wouldn't always be the things that those people would, that they would like. And so I, you know, would consequently think, oh well, you know, I better not, not watch this other thing, or not be interested in these types of movies because the other person won't want to see them with me, or they won't won't want to go and do that. Um, and so I had to make a decision once I left those relationships to really just say, hey. What do you want to see? What do you? What kinds of movies do you like? What do you like on television? And um, you know, there is. I've never been much of a TV watcher, but uh, there there are things you know that I would would want to see, and so I'd watch them. You know, I would do that for me. I would make a conscious effort. And if my um, sons were with me and they would say, um, "No, you know, I don't want to watch that," you know, I would need to pause, and I'd say. You know, I understand, but I'm watching this now and I am going to continue watching it. Now that's not something that I would have necessarily done prior. And but it's very, very important to set that boundary whether it be with a partner or with your children because if if a woman is in a romantic relationship, it it doesn't stop there as far as giving her power away and letting the, that partner make the decisions in terms of of likes and dislikes. It, it goes it filters it just it goes through to your children, to your parents, to to anybody that you're trying to get approval or seek approval from. And so I Absolutely. just needed to do that.
2: Absolutely. And th- those are quote-unquote little things and huge thank you so much for sharing your experiences your journey and yourself with us penny i really appreciate it and i wish you all the best
4: thank you very much for having me paula
2: Thank you. And I'd like to thank our listeners for joining us for Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. If you enjoyed today's show, please like us on Facebook. You can do that by going to my website, PaulaJoyce.com, where you can also get more information on my services, Penny's book, and the other books that our guests have written. It's also a good way to contact me if you want to talk about becoming a client of mine. And if you mention this show, you get a 10% new client discount. I hope you'll join us next week when I'll share more ideas on getting rid of negative thoughts and words that have been spoken to you. And when Brian Cuban will talk about his triumph over anorexia and help to dispel the myth that this is a female problem. In the meantime, if you think of a question about a show or a difficulty in your own life or have an inspirational story to share, please leave a phone message at one two one four seven three six four four six zero. 736 4460 That's one 736 4460 or send an email to Dr that's Dr. Paula Joyce at gmail.com. If you have a question, others do too. So help yourself and them by asking it. You can do so anonymously if that feels safer. And remember, I'm doing a workshop this Saturday, October 18th at the Dallas Yoga Center from 2 to 4 p.m. You can get information on that at their website, DallasYogaCenter.com. This is Dr. Paula, your CM, or chosen mom, as designated by Bernie Siegel. Remember, you are loved. Just let that feeling wash over you and through you.